everybody. This is Hater Radio, a college football podcast dedicated to the greatest sport in the world. My name is Chris McLean. I am your host, and I am without a co-host this evening and this week. Um, Ian was in Orlando, I believe, somewhere uh, doing a trip with a friend, and uh, he wasn't able to uh, come in to do it today. And I, I have a bunch going on because I'm actually heading to the game this weekend in College Station. So I'll be at the Florida Texas A&M game this weekend. And uh, for all that you, uh, our listeners, um, if you are going to the game, going to College Station this weekend, or even Austin, uh, hit me up. Um, You can reach us at uh, Twitter or Instagram. Just do Twitter mainly because the Instagram I don't really do anymore. But uh, at Hater underscore radio for Twitter and HaterRadio.com to find all of our articles. And then also, if you want to hit me up uh, specifically, HaterRadio1 at gmail.com is the email for Hater Radio. Um, but yeah, we'll be there, or I'll be there, sorry. And I, I might even have someone, uh, a videographer, record just to do a little content um, to show everyone. And we also have a new handle for our YouTube account. It's just Hater Radio. So if you type in uh, YouTube and Hater Radio, we should come right up. Should be the first thing. And I think specifically it's youtube.com slash you uh, slash uh, Hater Radio, and that should come right up. So with that in mind, what we do for each show is we are a college football podcast dedicated to the greatness that is college football, major college football. We cover mainly South East teams, uh, SEC, ACC, um, Big 12. And now that I live out in LA, I cover uh, Pac-12 teams like uh, UCLA and USC specifically because I live in LA. Um, But uh, I do cover, we do cover Big 10 as well, but I'm not the biggest fan of theirs. So I don't really like to... uh, promote that conference as much just as I think most of it is pretty garbage except for Ohio State and I will say they are definitely the exception and they they are a good team the rest of it is quite terrible and not enjoyable to watch so that's that Um, but what we do each week is we will recap the games that previously happened last weekend which is for us today is yesterday. And then uh, we will do a look at the Heisman standings um, for all the, uh, the 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 standout players there are. Then we will look at the uh, playoff standings for all the uh, uh, four that get in and then the two that are the closest just out. Then the last thing we do is a look ahead to the next week's games we'll discuss the game any storylines or anything and we'll give our uh, score prediction as well and so that's how the show operates a little bit about myself um i am a uh graduate of florida coastal school of law in jacksonville um it was over 11 years ago so it's been a while but while there i was in a sports law program there and uh during that, I spent two internships at uh, universities. One was at Gardner-Webb University in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Smaller school, but they have an FCS football program. And they usually play a lot of Division I uh, football teams. They get 
they get matched up against a lot of big teams. And then also uh, I was working at the University of South Florida, which is where I did my undergrad studies at. And um, that was a great experience because that was actually right on the heels of USF being um, in the mix for the top 25 for a few years there where they were uh, a strong team, you know, big team in the Big East. And uh, Skip Holtz had just started when I got there. That was his first year. And it kind of all fell apart. Um, Then they hired uh, Willie Taggart, got a little better. Uh, Charlie Strong came in. Uh, fell apart again. And then now they've been with Jeff Scott and it's just been terrible, but well, I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, um, I've also played uh, semi-pro football. I've played it uh, once in Jacksonville for a season and once in uh, the Sarasota Bradington area. Um, the team I played for in Sarasota Bradington, Southwest Florida Gladiators, we won the uh, state championship the year I was there. And uh, our league was voted the number one uh, spring league at the time in America. Um, so we were definitely one of the better teams. And it was a lot of fun to play on that team. And I actually, um, I recently uh, joined another team here in Long Beach. And uh, I was there for a game and I just I have too much going on right now. So I don't I'm not able to f- to put that much energy towards it. So I'm actually training right now to hopefully lose a little bit more weight and then to get back on the field, uh, hopefully the start of January 2023. And we'll see how it goes. You know, it's just this is really it for me. I'm going to play this last season and then I'll probably be that that's going to be all she wrote. But I just wanted to give it one last try you know, see how it goes. And, you know, I just, you know, what can I say? I, I, I'm almost like Tom Brady. I can't give it up just yet. So, uh, so with that being said, let's start the show. So the week nine, uh, recap, um, started off with the first game being the Utah Washington state game. Um, cam rising didn't play in this game. Um, which, was surprising um but his backup did all right didn't really make too many mistakes and um made enough plays to win the game for them uh washington state is not a bad team they just uh i don't know they just couldn't run the ball against utah and uh their quarterback um what's his name cameron ward is good he's definitely a solid a solid uh, dual threat quarterback, but um, in the highlights, it didn't look like there was a, like a lot of like movement. Otherwise down the field, it was just kind of like a a short intermediate stuff, um, occasional big throws, but uh, Utah gets the win, you know, 21, 17. And, you know, they only have one loss in the pack 12. They have a lot to play for. Um, they have Arizona and Stanford in the next two weeks, which definitely games that they can win, and they probably should win those games. And then their matchup against Oregon, which that honestly is probably a play-in game to the Pac-12 championship, if we're being honest. Like, because whoever loses that game is more than likely not getting into the championship game because. 
USC and UCLA only have one loss in conference as well. And if they play each other, the loser of that. So it's essentially like they have a playoff right now for um, the Pac-12 championship to see who goes in, which is interesting. I'm glad they got away from divisions. And so now that it seems like um, more of these teams that – didn't play each other every year or seems like now there's more of a chance that they'll play each other every year, which that's what everyone wants. They want the better matchups to occur, not to, you know, have an instance like in the sec where um, Texas A&M has never been to Georgia in the 10 plus years that they've been in that conference, which is insane. Or no, it's Georgia hasn't been to Texas A&M 10 plus years. Like, how is that even possible? Florida is this weekend going to go to Texas A&M for the third time in 10 years, 10 plus years. And Georgia's never been there. Like, how does that make any sense? I don't know. I know that once Texas and Oklahoma get in the conference is going to uh, go to pods, which will make it a lot different scheduling wise and more fair and more to the point where it's uh, each uh, player that plays a four year career at a a school will get to go to every um, opposing team's uh, stadium to play in football. So that that's great. I'm glad they're implementing that and that'll make a huge change, but back to the PAC 12, just interesting because Utah is a very good team. They lost, um, uh, Keithy, the the tight end, who was projected as a first round pick, um, uh, potentially he's going to be a really good NFL player, regardless of where he goes, first or second round. But he's definitely a solid tight end. He's been gone for the year, but the other guy, Kincaid, has done really well. And uh, you know, the backup came in, and Cam Rising wasn't there, but they still got the W. And like I said, they probably don't even need him for the next two weeks. You know, if they coast through the next two games, they should win those and then just need him for that uh, that road game in Oregon, which will be definitely a tough test for Utah. And, you know, basically the whole season riding on that game because the following week is a Colorado game that they should win easy. Okay, moving on. Ohio State, Penn State, uh, very interesting game. Um, close for most of it. It was ended up 44-31 Ohio State. Uh, it was a little bit more away from that than than the last score was because I think it was like 44-24 at one point in the fourth, and then Penn State scored a garbage touchdown to make it a little bit closer. But C.J. Stroud went off. Um, you know, Ohio State's defense had – four turnovers caused, which was probably really the difference in the game because there was points where Penn State was moving the ball and they just were able to, uh, Ohio State was able to force turnovers to stop drives. And, uh, you know, Penn State had nearly 500 yards of total offense. But really, you know, I think it's just Ohio State is the better team. And naturally, they imposed their will on Penn State. And I I never thought Penn State was very good this year. Um, they got smoked by Michigan and they got smoked by – not necessarily smoked by Ohio State, but in, in the end kind of did. But uh, Penn State, I don't know, they'll be a 10-win team and go to probably, you know, the, the – 
the freaking either sugar bowl or or maybe even like the uh um cotton bowl and you know it'll be a a banner year for james franklin i don't know i just i never thought he was that great of a coach i i I thought he did great at Vanderbilt, which was, you know, that was amazing because, you know, it's so hard there. But um, I just didn't – I don't see it at Penn State. He's been there – he's been there almost 10 years now. Seems like it. it's at least 10 years. And, like, I don't – I don't know what – I don't know what they're expecting because, you know, they don't – they don't recruit on the same level as, as Ohio State – and they don't have the same offense as Ohio State. So, like, they're never going to really compete with them, you know. And they got smoked by Michigan, too, which is, like, they should beat Michigan. If anyone – like, I know they're probably not going to beat Ohio State, but they should at least beat Michigan, which is, like, that team – you know, Michigan is a a, a run-first offense that, you know – barely throws the ball downfield. I don't know how you as a Michigan fan enjoy watching that offense, but it's, it's like watching paint dry. I know Corum's good. I'm not going to deny that, but it's, it's very boring offense. And, you know, I have no doubt in my mind when it comes to this uh, Ohio state, Michigan game that uh, Ohio state's going to blow them out. I, it's going to be at least by at least 10 points, probably <laughs> probably 14 or 15 points I, I'm imagining, but uh, you know, Michigan, Penn state, they're just these two teams that seem to be, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like they're, they're, they get decent recruits, but they don't get like, they don't get like the Florida recruits or like the speedy guys or the, you know, the better athletes they are getting like, good football players but they're not getting like the difference makers and yes Micah Parsons is one of the best players in the NFL and uh you know um uh the that douchebag from Michigan what is it the D end Hutchinson you know they yes those two have been drafted very high and you know Parsons is obviously one of the better players but I mean that's it like I can't think of two like besides those two, what other Penn State Michigan players have been really good the last like 10, 15 years? I really can't think of one. You know, I mean, you probably have to go back to like Charles Woodson, you know, really to say like anyone that was really good for either of those teams. I can't think of really any other uh player for Penn State or Michigan that were standouts. Um, but regardless, let's move on. Um, Notre Dame, Syracuse. This was a surprise. I, you know, Notre Dame has really gotten off the carpet. You know, they were definitely down and out for a while. They, uh, <laughs> I mean, God, they even lost to Stanford at one point. I didn't even realize they lost to Stanford. I just stopped paying attention to Notre Dame. Um, but they did beat UNC. And they've beaten Syracuse. That's two top twenty-five wins. And I will say that Syracuse is a is a decent team this year. And UNC, you know, uh, the quarterback May is definitely a solid quarterback. Probably potentially even a, a Heisman hopeful. You know, sneak preview to what's coming up. But uh, you know, I I don't know. I was just surprised by this one. I kept watching the score, and I'm like, damn, Notre Dame staying up on this one just you know 
They were up by like 14 at halftime. And then Syracuse got back into it. And then um, Notre Dame really took over in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Notre Dame really didn't even do that much. They kind of just, God, they only had uh, 116 yards passing, but they just ran the ball all over them. And Syracuse had two picks, which, you know, that that's probably the difference right there. And then Notre Dame possessed the ball like 37 minutes, you know, which is it's a huge difference there, you know. But um, I don't know, Syracuse doesn't have the best offense, which that's, that's probably their Achilles heel. And uh, their defense is good. And I'm just surprised because it was in the Carrier Dome and it seems like Syracuse has had really good uh, mojo in those games at home, but just couldn't uh, couldn't figure it out. And Notre Dame gets the win. Okay, moving on. This was a very good game considering that West Virginia is three and five now. Uh, TCU wins 41-31 up against West Virginia. Um, the score is even, it it doesn't show how close it was because it was 30, uh, 34, 31 with like 20 seconds left. And then TCU just like, it was fourth down and they just threw up a prayer, like didn't matter. It's like score or not, whatever the game's almost over. Um, but uh, they scored there at the end. Um, but Max Duggan just having a great year. That's another guy, potential sleeper in the Heisman hopefuls. Um, Duggan had a huge game. Uh, Kendra Miller, just this kid every week has like over 100 yards. He only had 12 carries, which that's crazy. And he still had a TD as well. And then um, their wide receivers just – all of them are fast. Uh, they had four guys with over 60 yards in receiving yards. Um, Quentin Johnston is fast as shit. Uh, Tay Barber. Just these guys are like freak athletes, and they're all on the same team. And it just combined with – it's just – it's a congruence of events. Sonny Dykes got so lucky that he has the team that he does. I mean, as much as Gary Patterson was um, – you know, kind of winding down there at the end. Uh, he still recruited well for the most part. And, you know, this team is solid and can see, you know, right now with everything going, the SEC is going to play like knockout where Georgia, Tennessee play each other. Then the winner of that plays Alabama. So potentially, I mean, you could have two teams there because if between Georgia and uh, Tennessee, they would only have at worst one loss after playing Alabama as well. So that would be three teams with one loss. Um, you would definitely go with the SEC champion no matter what. And then you would probably go with the other one loss team. Um, and especially the one that didn't play in the SEC championship, because I think the committee would just assume that the SEC championship game is basically a playoff game. And if you lose it, you're out. And that the other team should get in. But it's kind of unfair because last year Georgia lost that and still got in. So it's like this year, a team that you know, say they have an undefeated regular season, lose the SEC championship game, and then the team that they lost to gets in would be very tough, but that potentially has 
what we have in store. I I don't like it, but that's just what we have because we have a four-team playoff. We talked about it last week with Ian, how it's, you know, it's tough right now because there's so many good teams. It's one of the years where this is probably the toughest of the four to choose. Um, but like I said, why I brought it up is because of TCU. TCU just has to win out and then more than likely will get in regardless of what happens everywhere else. And, uh, you know, they've already beaten Kansas State. They've already beaten Oklahoma State. Um, they'll likely get into the uh, the Big 12 championship regardless of if they lose a game or not. But if they stay undefeated and get to it and then win it, I don't see how you don't put them in. Like, you have to put them in. Their offense is really good. Their defense is solid enough. Um, I think they can compete with any team in the country because of how good they're offensively. Um, As of right now, their schedule, it looks like they have – they have a tough road because they've got Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, and Iowa State. All four of those schools have not had the best year this year, but the Big 12 has been such a meat grinder this year where the rest of these mid-level teams are just kind of like duking it out, and it's causing so many of them to have so many losses. But Texas Tech is a solid team. They beat Texas earlier this year. Texas played Alabama tough, destroyed Oklahoma. Baylor's been off and on, you know, had some injuries to quarterback. Um, Iowa State's definitely taken a step back, which is a shame because they had been last couple of years so well. But uh, TCU's got a tough road here, and they can do it. It's just – it's a gauntlet, four games, and then the Big 12 championship just to get in. That's – five games against really good opponents and God bless them. If they do it, I don't know if they will, but there's a chance they could. Okay. Moving on USF Houston. Uh, let's talk about it. USF loses 42, 27 and now is one and seven. I had predicted at the beginning of the year that they would go seven and five. Obviously that's not going to happen because they needed to only have five losses to be able to achieve that. They have seven, so the more than likely scenario is that they'll maybe get one more win, maybe two, probably only one. They could, they should beat Temple this week. But um, a lot of people are wanting to fire Jeff Scott, and they're they're rightfully arguing that. I I don't know. I it's been so bad that it's like what does what happens. Like you get someone in right now and it changes or do we want to give this a shot one more year? Because I say if we give it one more year, at least there's a shot to see if it does change next year. Um, You know, with the schedule that South Florida had this year to start off the year, they had BYU, they had Florida, they had Louisville. Those are three like – good to mid-level power five teams that will easily beat a low-level group of five team. And, you know, their their starting schedule was very difficult. Then they had 
Cincinnati within that first six as well. So, and Tulane as well. So they had in their first seven games, they had two top 25 teams ranked at some point this season. And then three other teams that were solid uh, power five teams. Now I will say that normal years, South Florida gets like a Howard, a Charleston Southern, a, you know, crap team, tomato can here, whatever. So they get at least two or three of those. So those two or three wins rack up. Then then you just try to get a win or two in conference. And then five wins is a success. And yet they didn't get to have that chance this year. And so what are you supposed to do with that? You know, like it sucks that uh, they didn't get a chance to, to compete at a level like other teams where they play four tomato cans and they get a, a, a record. I mean, look at like South Carolina, a team like South Carolina who, yeah, they beat Kentucky and they beat uh, Texas A&M, but then their other wins are against like these terrible teams. And that's the reason why they were five and two and ranked top 25 uh, coming into yesterday's games. And you know what? And they got beat by Missouri, and Missouri is not a really good team. They're a good defensive team, but they're not that great of a team. And they got smoked. The game wasn't even close. It was never close, that game. And, you know, that's that's how it happens. These teams get these crap teams they get to play against, and they inflate their records so they look better than they actually are. And you know what? South Florida did not get that chance this year. And I'm not excusing it. It definitely needs to be better. They need to play better defense. The defense is atrocious. I think it's 131st or 130th in some rankings defensively, and that needs to change. I thought when they brought in that guy, Shroop, the defensive coordinator, he was going to be a difference maker, but he's obviously not. And something needs to be changed, but it's just, you know, I don't know what Jeff Scott's doing. I like some of the things are perplexing. I don't know. I had high hopes for him. I was like, you know what? Clemson coordinator, good recruiter, you know, was able to call games where they were winning national championships. And like, maybe he can do it. Maybe he's got the formula, you know, coached under Dabo. Maybe he knows what he's doing. But it just, like I said, I just would, I don't know. It's tough because it's like, I don't want to be one that calls for people's jobs at the same time. I don't want to sit here and wait forever for something that should be done today. And I know that's said a lot, um, but um, I don't know at this point. I just want, I just want USF to be good. I'm tired of them being so terrible. I'm tired of losing a ton of games. It's just, a, it's not fun to be a fan of when you're, literally one of the worst teams in all of college football. Like it's a joke. Like it's, it's sad. It's, it's pathetic. I know all you South Florida fans that listen to this. I know you're tired of it. I'm tired of it. I just want something different. And it's just, it's just, just seems like we're not getting anywhere. All right, moving on. Speaking of another disappointing team, but they were fighting in the third quarter, and I really did appreciate that. And you know what? I don't know. They Florida-Georgia game was a disappointment, but I watched the game, and I watched the highlights again, and, you know, Georgia did play well. They had 555 yards. They were definitely the better team. Um, 
they had three turnovers, which Florida did take advantage of some of them. And, you know, uh, it was a one score game into the third quarter with like only like a, a minute or two left of the third. It was 28 to 20, but Georgia wins 42 to 20. Um, you know, <laughs> if it weren't for that defensive pass interference on uh, Jason Marshall, where Ladd McConkey pushes off to get the reception, um, they end up scoring a touchdown on that play to make it 28-3. If they get a stop there, where it would have been third and 20 if it was called accordingly, it should have been uh, offensive pass interference. So it would have been third and 20 outside of field goal range. If Florida stops them there, it's 21-3. to The game pressure is a lot higher if it's 21-20. to going into um, heading towards the fourth quarter with uh, Georgia having the ball and having to score. Because even if they then scored there, which they did, it would have been 28-20. It's still a one-score game with Florida with the chance to tie. Still more game pressure on. So that pass interference was quite crucial. And then plus, Georgia had one of the most luckiest catches I've ever seen in the world. Holy shit. Like Bernie – Almost made a miracle play um, with an interception, but it bounces off him like three or four times. And then uh, Brock Bowers bounces off him like two or three times and he catches it and no one else was there. So he was wide open for the touchdown. And, you know, I've never seen anything like it. That was literally one of the luckiest plays I've ever seen. And, um, you know, Bowers had a huge game, but you take away that at 76. I guess he still would have had 80 yards. Um he still had a really good game, and Washington had a good game, even though it didn't have a crazy game. He had three catches for 47. Um, they ran the ball well. I didn't think Stetson Bennett looked that great. He had two picks. Um, McIntosh had a fumble that really changed the third quarter, how the trajectory of that was going. Um, and, you know, Florida could have quit. I thought AR played well. You know, I people complaining, oh, he's missing things left and right. I think he I think he did well enough, you know. They uh they couldn't really get going in that first half and that probably is the difference in the game. If they just had anything going in that first half, it could have been like I don't know, 10-13 points that they scored and if it's 28-13, you know, the game's not far off. They're still within distance and then if they did what they did in the third quarter then who knows what would have happened but it was kind of tough that that first and second quarter was just i was frustrated i was just like man they're not doing anything i was like i i was telling my fiance i'm just like man this is tough to watch i'm just so tired of my team's losing and i was just like bemoaning it and then like um going into the third quarter man florida just turned it on and it was like you know, AR had that long pass. There was the interception. There was the fumble. They were just like moving the ball. And I'm like, oh man, this is like night and day difference. And, you know, uh, Florida could have, could have easily won this game if they, uh, if they could have kept that momentum going at that point when it was 28 20. They couldn't though. And uh, Georgia just took over. They scored. Um, two straight touchdowns uh, to really ice the game. And I don't know. I mean, Florida still moved the ball. It wasn't like Georgia's defense was that um, 
that's impenetrable. They were definitely able to move the ball. They struggled on uh, third down and they struggled on fourth down as well. Um, but they, I don't know, they moved the ball a decent enough. They had 100 yards rushing, which wasn't great. Um, but they had 271 yards passing. I don't know. Ian's uh, thoughts on the game before we move on. Um, Ian said, he said the Florida game went exactly how expected. The defense was well in control for the Bulldogs and was able to bail out many of Georgia's mistakes. The defense simply was not good enough to keep up with the Georgia attack, although they were able to get key takeaways. The offense seemed stuck in the mud and play calling was very anemic. The third quarter was was clearly the best played for them this game, rattling off 17 unanswered and showed they were at least fighting when they could well be dead. The problem was, though, Florida only won one quarter. You need all four to beat a team like Georgia. This team still has a way to go before it can compete and knock off Georgia, which, yes, is true. But, I I mean, God, Trey Dean had, like, the game of his life. Amari uh, Bernie had, like, the game of his life. Both those guys were, you know – made huge plays in the game. Um, You know, Dean was consistent making good tackles. I think the only play that I even, I can recall of him getting beat was the Brock Bowers fourth down conversion at the very end. Um, But he was still kind of there. He just kind of didn't, didn't make the play. Um, It was, I would say it's probably the best I've ever seen, Dean. I don't know if someone else can recall another game him playing well, but he he struggled so much the last couple of years that it was a lot of people are really down on him. But he played well and earned that starting spot that so many people wanted to see him uh, bench. Um, and Amari Bernie, you know, uh, an interception and a uh, fumble recovery or a fumble forced fumble, huge game for him. Um, that Perkins interception was crazy. Like it looked like a catch and then he like snatched it away as he was falling down. That was just amazing. Um, I'm, I'm not writing the book off with this team. Like, Oh, we need to fire Napier or fire the coordinators. I think this was probably, you know, as best they could play against the number one team in the country. Um, I don't think. I don't think they're as far as people think they are. I think going through the next four games, which are the next four games are Texas A&M, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Florida State. If they can go through the next four games and progress through this schedule, then Florida will have a better chance to improve into one get the extra practices from the bowl game, the bowl game, and then get into spring and get into next year. I think it'll help them with the momentum towards next year. I mean, I'm going to write a a, a paper or a paper, uh, um, an article about this that I'm going to release on Thursday or Friday, but Florida had a really tough schedule. Um, they had Utah, they had Kentucky, they had Tennessee, they had LSU, they had Georgia. All five of those teams have been ranked anywhere from as high as inside the top 10. I think everyone except for LSU. So that's five te- four teams that they've played potentially in the top 10 at some point this year. And some of them while they played them. So it's, I don't know. I don't know how people can just be like, oh, this is terrible. 
I think they probably did as best as they could. It would have been better if they beat probably LSU. They probably should have beat LSU and they probably should have beat Kentucky. They're definitely better than those two teams. Um, but they didn't play like that on the games, on the days they played them. Um, I, you know, and if that's the case, if they beat both of those teams, they're six and two. And is everyone, you know, really pissed off if Florida is six and two at this point? Probably not. They're probably really happy with how our things are going, but this is the way it is. It's the first year of Billy Napier's uh, tenure and anything can happen. I'm excited for where it's going. It's just the beginning and we'll see where it goes, but let's move on. Okay. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, nothing really to say here. Just a complete ass whooping. Spencer Sanders played like crap. Um, Will Howard comes in for uh, Martinez again, and he's looking really good. 296 for four touchdowns. Deuce Vaughn had a great game. Um, Knowles, Malik Knowles for Kansas State had a really good game. 48 nothing is just a beat down. It never was close. It was just. Big plays all over for Kansas State, and uh, I mean, it was embarrassing. I think it's one of the worst loss uh, that Oklahoma State's ever had. It, I'm surprised because Oklahoma State was having a good year, and it's just, you know, this is completely ruining that. So who knows? Hopefully they recover, but it's going to be really tough because they have a lot of tough games coming up. They got um, Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. I guess they, going 2-2 two and two would be great, but they really want to go like three and one in that mix. Um, if they will, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Kansas State, six and two. I know we talked about it earlier with TCU. They got a tough road as well. They got Texas, Baylor, West Virginia, and Kansas. Um, definitely potential landmine in Texas, but that game's in Manhattan, so we'll see where that goes from there. All right, next game, Oregon-Cal. Oregon wins 42-24. and one are the Ducks. Now they're up to the eighth-ranked team in the country. Um, really had control of this game and never really was close. Bo Nix had 412 yards, three TDs, but he also had two picks, so living up to that Bo Picks name. Um, Oregon, keep moving forward. Uh, they have three tough games at the end of their schedule here, Washington, Utah, and Oregon State. So as much as I said that it's a play-in game for or a playoff game for the Pac-12 championship, I think uh, Oregon has a tougher road than anybody else because Michael Penix Jr. is solid, and Oregon State is really sneaky good. Um, they kept USC close. They got blown out by Utah, but besides that, they've beaten everyone else. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in that Oregon-Oregon State game at the end of the year. Okay, moving on. Wake Forest-Louisville, surprise of the game of the day. Louisville just smokes Wake Forest. I think they had six turnovers in the third quarter alone, eight total, which is just insane. Eight turnovers is just remarkable. Um but Louisville smokes Wake Forest. Uh, Sam Hartman just poops the bed, and, you know, Louisville wins 48-21. Okay, uh, Malik Cunningham, let's see what he did. Eh, he was all right. Um, okay, this is a really good game. I didn't watch any of it because I was um, getting some things done when this game was on, but uh, Cincinnati and UCF – actually, I was watching the Florida-Georgia game. That's what I was doing. I – 
I thought this was earlier. This was earlier in the day. This was, I think this was like a three thirty four o'clock game, uh, but UCF wins 25, 21. Uh, Cincinnati had scored late to go up by a couple points. And then UCF was driving, could have settled for a field goal, decided not went for the win and got the touchdown and they hold on. And, um, Mikey Keene comes in for John Rice Plumley, and uh, you know UCF gets a win. They're six and two, so they have no shot at really anything but maybe an AAC championship before uh, they leave to go to the Big Twelve. Uh, solid victory for them. I know I'm not the biggest fan of UCF. I don't really like their their fans. Their fans are douchebags, just like FSU fans. It's like something in the water in Florida for. Um, douchebag fans like FSU and UCF are just terrible fans. Um, but, um, and, and so, so delusional, the most delusional fan bases are FSU and UCF by far. It's crazy how, how they think so highly of their teams, but they, they know nothing about other teams at all. They really don't. They know nothing about college football. They only know about their teams, but UCF is a good team. They've got a lot of, uh, Good talent. Uh, Bowser's solid. Um, the Some of the other uh, wide receivers are really good. And their defense is solid, too. Um, I think they could win uh, at least two more games. They've got Tulane. Um, I think they could beat at least definitely Memphis, Navy, and South Florida. But I think they'll lose to Tulane, so they'll probably have three losses. But they might have a shot at the uh, uh, AAC championship, even if they lose to Tulane. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, well, Cincinnati would have to lose another game. I don't think Cincinnati's going to lose another game. Because Cincinnati, schedule-wise, the only real tough one is Tulane. Well, they got East Carolina, too. I, I would think that Cincinnati could probably beat Tulane at home. But if they lost another one like East Carolina... Uh, they would be tied with UCF, and UCF would get the uh, um, head-to-head tiebreaker. Okay, moving on, Missouri, South Carolina. Like I said, Missouri uh, wins 23-10. They were in control of this game. Spencer Rattler looked average again. Missouri just, you know, did what they needed to do to win, and now – you know, South Carolina is back down to earth after having that five and two start. Now they're the reality is setting in because they I mean they have a tough schedule coming up. They've got um they've got Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson to to finish off the year. I don't think I mean they're definitely not gonna beat Tennessee or Clemson. And there's a chance if Florida does well against AM, I think they'll have momentum to beat South Carolina. I don't think uh, South Carolina is going to have a good year, uh, end of the year. So that'll be three more losses. So at worst, they're going to be six and six because they'll probably get the win against Vanderbilt. Okay, moving on. Kentucky, Tennessee. This is a highly touted matchup, and it was such a dud. Will Levis, one read Levis, um, one read Will. He, uh, man, he looked like shit. Three interceptions, less than 100 yards. He is not good. I don't know what these scouts think, you know, he is definitely getting someone in the NFL fired next year. I a hundred percent believe it. He will get drafted in like, I'd say the 10 to 20 range and whoever picks him up 
is going to be like so um you know they're going to say all the things like oh he's going to be great he's going to be the star and then you're going to see a complete dumpster fire or whatever this kid does because he's i'm not trying to bag on him but it's just like i i don't see why they think he is the way he is he's not that talented as far as like a, a quarterback he is talented in the skill set of like or the talent level as far i'm not even saying this wrong he is got all the intangibles he's athletic he's like quick not fast he's got a strong arm and he's kind of tall so that's all what they're go basing it off of yet him as a quarterback reading the offense is terrible i mean tennessee has one of the worst passing defenses in the entire country and he couldn't do anything against them i know one of the picks wasn't his fault because it bounced off the receiver's hands but still like he just is not very good. But I will say this now that we've talked about it, because that's all I needed to say about Will Levis. But uh, Tennessee wins 44 to 6 and just proving that their offense is, besides Ohio State, it's between them, the best offenses in the country. And um, it's kind of amazing. You know, last year they went seven and five, eight and five, I believe. And now they're on the verge of getting in the playoff, regardless of what happens to the Georgia game, which we'll t- we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but uh, Hennon Hooker had another really good game, only six incompletions and three TDs. And God, what's his face? Uh, Jalen Hyatt, another multi-touchdown game, two TDs, 138 yards, just crazy offensive numbers. And they're running the ball well, too. They had over uh, – over 177 yards rushing. Okay, moving on. Michigan State, Michigan. This was an ugly game, ugly end. Um, you know, Michigan. I love how at the beginning of the year, I saw so much stuff about McCarthy for Michigan. This guy is garbage. 167 yards passing. The only reason this team is any good is because they can run the ball and that won't help against really good offenses when like if Michigan goes up against Ohio State, if they happen to go up against Alabama or Tennessee, they would lose to all three of those teams. They don't they're not in the same universe as these teams. They just don't belong. And it's just I don't know, whatever. And it's like they'll get all this hype because they're undefeated, but I think everyone knows that they're not that good. And I am interested to see what happens with the playoff picks. uh, The first rankings coming out Tuesday, because I don't have them in my top six Uh, spoiler, but uh, they don't belong. They really do not belong. They're definitely an odd person out. The only reason they're there for some reason, people thought highly of their Penn State win, but it's like uh, their Penn State win really wasn't that great because Penn State isn't that good, but we're going to keep them there. All right, so let's moving on. Uh, the last thing I want to say, really ugly where the that after the game fight broke out. There was a lot of video of that um, just really ugly scene there at the Michigan Stadium. Um, whatever, it happens. You know, guys got to be careful where they're like – crossing other teams and you're talking shit or whatever sometimes you're gonna get knocked out and i don't want that to happen but i just know players get aggressive at the end of games and it's you know tempers boil over and it's just i I don't know like 
I don't know why that guy, because the, the only video I saw was the Michigan player, like near a bunch of the Michigan state players is like, the only reason that would happen is if he started talking crap and he got sucked into it and just got closer and closer. And then they just started beating his ass. It's like, dude, you gotta be careful, man. Like you shouldn't, I mean, I know you want to talk trash because you won, but at the same time, like, kind of let it go. I don't know, whatever. I, it's definitely, I, I'm not excusing Michigan State either. They shouldn't do that. Um, but when tempers are high and, you know, there's a volatile situation at the end, it's both sides need to be careful of that. And, like, they should probably separate that a little bit better, uh, you know, specifically the um, – the security or the stadium staff in some way of dividing it, keeping them away from each other. Cause that was not good. Okay. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, uh, Ole Miss wins 31, 28 close game closer than the score really shows. Well, Texas A&M got a late touchdown and then still had a chance at the end, but, uh, Ole Miss hangs on and wins. Um, you know, Ole Miss, they don't, really passed the ball that much. Jackson Dart only had 140 yards, but Quinshawn Judkins had 205 yards on the ground, which is crazy. Uh, and then Zach Evans had 75, and then Dart had 95. So they had 390 yards on the ground. That is ridiculous. You don't really need to pass the ball when you're moving the ball at will on the ground, and they did that. Um, and... Uh, Ole Miss, one loss, setting up um, a crazy end of the season. Ole Miss has a bye week this week, which is, man, that is huge for them because now they have two weeks to set up to coach them up for Alabama. And you never know. Things are crazy. You know, they lost to LSU and got smoked, but maybe this Ole Miss team can sneak one by Alabama. And then really they – potentially could win out the rest because Arkansas and Mississippi state are winnable games and they would be in the sec championship game, um, which is crazy. That's if LSU loses to Alabama. Um, Cause if LSU only has one sec loss, then LSU would go. But I know that LSU has not only Alabama um, but then they also have Arkansas. I guess they could win those two games. Yeah, LSU is a really good shot at getting the SEC championship game, which I would have never thought possible at the start of the season, especially after they lost to Tennessee and to Florida State the way they did. I wouldn't have, you know, I'm barely beating Auburn. I don't know. Things are crazier, you know, than I imagine with this LSU team. But uh, uh, regardless, this Ole Miss team has the potential – to do something really big, especially with a great off week right now before the Bama game. That's perfect for them. That is probably the best off week they could ever have right before the biggest game of the year for them, especially if Alabama wins, setting up like everything on the line in that game. That would be crazy. Okay. So that is the week nine recap. Um, Give me a second for some water. Okay, let's talk about the Heisman standings. I got C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Hennon Hooker, Blake Corum. And then I think the outside ones are probably the UNC quarterback, uh, May, and um, uh, Max Duggins. 
those two are like outside potentially if they can keep playing really good and put up huge numbers they could force their way into the new york conversation um and then cfp teams my two outside teams are bama and ucla then i have four is tcu at three is tennessee two georgia and one ohio state but that's just what i feel will get in what will actually happen what do i feel now i'd probably say ohio state's still number one i'd probably say bama at four if i was saying now tennessee at three and georgia number two and then tcu probably five but i feel like what will happen is that because i think well i could flip-flop bama and georgia because i think bama has a the chance to to win the sec championship uh regardless if it's georgia tennessee and uh whichever one that is is gonna have uh the loser of that is gonna have the uh um uh gonna be the 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 odd man out they won't be able to get to the the playoff so moving on week 10 we'll do these rather quick because ian knows more of these smaller teams than i do um so i'm just gonna just go off the cuff with some app state coastal carolina uh coastal carolina lost a terrible game the other day. I can't remember who they played and they just looked like shit in that fourth quarter. I watched like most of it. And it was just ugly. Um, but uh, I think coastal can win this one. I'm going to say coastal wins. Cause McCall's still there. I'm going to say coastal wins 35 to 24. And then Oregon state, Washington, this Oregon state team is Still there with only two losses, so they're they're not done yet. They still have potential um, to possibly get in the Pac-12 if a lot of things go their way. I mean, they already lost to Utah and USC, so it'd be very hard to get in, but uh, stranger things have happened. So I'm going to say Oregon State wins this. I don't know. Michael Penix Jr. has really been disappointing. Uh, I know he's been... I don't know. I just would have thought more. I thought they were doing well at the beginning of the year and then just kind of just fell off. I'm going to say Oregon State wins. I'm going to say they win 27 to like 20. Uh, UNC, Virginia, like I said, UNC's quarterback may. Um, I can see him having a huge game. I'm going to say he probably puts up I'm going to say 41 points to like Virginia's like 20. Uh, Florida, Texas A&M. I'm going to this game. So if you come to this game, hit me up. I'll try to meet up with as many people as I can. I'm going to try to go early as shit because the game is at 11 a.m. Central time. And I'm staying in Austin. So I'm going to drive to College Station that day. I'm going to try to get there by like 7 so I can get like a decent like tailgating with people. Okay, so Florida, this game probably would go a long way to see if this Florida team doesn't quit. Because if they come out and they play well and they get the victory, this could go a long way to set the tone for the next couple of games for them and set the tone going into next season. So I would think I would think this game is very important to the staff, to everyone there. Um, and I think I think they can win this game. 
you know, Texas A&M is just falling off completely. And Florida's not that far off either because there's only a one-game difference between the two. I think Florida wins. I'm going to say Florida wins 28 to, I'm going to say 20. USF Temple, I'm going to do this one real quick. Temple's garbage, so is USF. I'm going to say USF gets their second win. I'm going to say 32 to uh, 28. Close one. All right, big game of the year. Potentially right now it's a one and two. I think there was a tie in the AP poll for number two for Tennessee and Ohio State. Um, The CFP will be on Tuesday, so we'll see where these teams get ranked, but potentially as of right now, it's a one versus two potentially. Um, Tennessee's offense is very, very good. Probably some of the better offense, one of the better offenses we've seen the last several years. Georgia's defense is not as good as years past. Georgia's offense is better. Stetson Bennett still makes mistakes. He had two interceptions in the game against Florida that could have been more costly. It didn't end up hurting them overall because they won the game. Um, I think Tennessee wins this game, even though I think it's, you know, it's at Georgia in Athens. I think Tennessee wins like 38 to like 31. And what's going to happen is it's going to be a shootout. And if, you know, a team like Georgia that has to throw the ball, they're not good at that. They weren't good at that against Alabama last year um, when they lost in the SEC championship game. And that would have been the case in the national championship if Jamison Williams wasn't hurt. So Georgia is just not good at playing catch up and having to keep throwing the ball. And that's, what's going to happen in this game. And I think Tennessee wins 38, 31. Okay. Syracuse pit. Um, I want to see Syracuse win this game because at least if they can get back to form, then they have a shot at beating Florida state. Cause I want them because I'm still riding that, uh, that streak of, uh, I said that Florida state would lose the next five of six games. And right now, uh, Florida State is three of four losing, so they have potential to lose this one and maybe at least one more. So I'm hoping that happens. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Syracuse wins. I'm gonna say um, twenty-seven to like twenty-four. Close one. Liberty, Arkansas. Interesting game. Uh, Liberty playing a lot of big name teams, Arkansas, you know, they played Cincinnati, they played BYU going out of their way to playing good G five teams. I'm going to say Arkansas wins this one. I'm going to say Arkansas wins 38 to like, I'm going to say 20, 28. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Uh, Alabama, LSU, another big game in the SEC. It's in Baton Rouge. Um, I think that uh, uh, Alabama will win this game. I'm going to say Alabama wins. Um, 
I'm going to say 35 to 27. Clemson, Notre Dame. This is an interesting game because Notre Dame has really redeemed themselves, totally redeemed themselves. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say Clemson wins, but barely. I'm going to say Clemson wins like 28 to 24 type game. Because I just don't think Notre Dame's offense is that great. And Clemson's defense is good. So I think they're going to hold them in check somewhat. Okay, FSU, Miami. I'm going to say FSU wins. No, cancel that. Miami wins because I hate Florida State. Uh, Miami wins. uh, Let's say it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to say like 24 to like 20. Uh, Wake Forest, NC State. I think Wake Forest gets rebounds from last week's game i think sam hartman has a really good game and nc state kind of struggling now that their quarterback is out for the year i'm gonna say wake forest wins um 35 to let me say 20 cal usc usc coming off a big win against arizona last week or just yesterday uh i'm gonna say usc continues that trend usc wins 42 to like, let's say 28. Uh, Michigan State, Illinois. Does Illinois keep winning, which is crazy considering how terrible they've been for the last 15 years? Um, I think Illinois does because Michigan State is kind of in disarray. I'm going to say Illinois wins like 20 to like 14. And then Texas, Kansas State. I like this Kansas State team, especially with this Howard kid. Um, I'm going to say Kansas State wins uh, 42 to 35 in a close one. A typical Big 12 back and forth offensive showdown. And Quinn Ewers has a really good game, but it's in Manhattan. And I think Kansas State can pull it off. UCF, Memphis. Um, I don't know how good Memphis is, but this UCF team is not bad. I'm going to say UCF wins. Uh, I'm going to go with 31 to 20. Okay, that is the Week 10 Look Ahead. That is the show. My name is Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. We are a college football podcast. You can reach us at haterradio.com. Also on Twitter at under at Hater Hater. God, I can't talk at hater underscore radio for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and also hater radio one at gmail.com for our emails. Also, you can reach us now, which we just got the new handle for uh, YouTube, which is youtube.com slash uh, hater radio. So that, that's how you can reach us there. We will hopefully have new uh, a new content for um, when I go to Texas A&M this weekend. So again, if you're there, hit me up on any of those ways to contact me. Uh, I'd like to meet fans, meet people, talk to you guys, especially Florida fans, because that's who we're trying to reach the most. Um, but that's the show. Um, there's some pretty good games this week, especially that Tennessee Georgia game and that Alabama LSU game. So looking forward to it and, uh, have a good one. Y'all.